the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How do you face the future with joy when you know the horrors of your future? That's really the problem. Well, you do as Habakkuk did, because this man is a man of God. You honestly give your problems and doubts to God in prayer. You say, Lord, it's yours. I'm, I'm honest with you. I'm struggling. You don't hide it and try to fake spirituality. It's spiritual to be honest with God. It is dishonest to hide it within yourself and make like everything is right when everything is not right. And so the prophet is very honest. He doesn't try to impress the Lord. He doesn't try to impress all of his friends. He has got a problem. There is no point in trying to act with God like everything is okay when it's not, because he knows your every thought. We cannot fool God, so let's be honest and tell him about our struggles. The prophet Habakkuk did just that, and as a result, was able to praise God even while staring into what would otherwise be a terrifying future. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It is easy to pass over the Old Testament books we call the Minor Prophets, thinking they are unimportant. But the word minor describes the size of the book, not the worth of its contents. We can gain wonderful truths in the little three-chapter book of Habakkuk as we see him wrestle with God's answer to his prayer for justice to return to his land. How do we praise God with tears in our eyes? Here is Pastor Steve with the first part of a three-part message that will, I believe, show us the way. In her very famous book, The Hiding Place, author Corrie ten Boom writes about the time her sister, Betsy, said these very penetrating words. She said, there is no pit so deep that Christ is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. With those words, Betsy ten Boom expressed one of the most powerful, dynamic testimonies of triumph in the midst of pain that the Christian church has ever heard. You see, when Betsy said these words, she was on a stretcher in a hospital ward located inside a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. Yet in spite of the horrendous circumstances of Corey and Betsy Ten Boom, her words reveal joy. They reveal victory above the horrible circumstances of life. And the question that we have to ask is why? Why? Why is it that some people respond to the trials of life like Betsy Ten Boom and others respond by falling into the pits of depression and despair? And I think more importantly, we need to ask, how can we face those insurmountable, those seemingly insurmountable problems of life with triumph and faith rather than defeat? It may be one thing for me to know how Betsy did it, but I need to know how I can do it. Can we really praise God when we have tears 
in our eyes. Sort of a subtitle of this message as we deal with the prophet Habakkuk. Can we really praise God when we have tears in our eyes? Can we really do what Paul said in Philippians chapter four? Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. That is rejoice in the Lord. Can God bring us through? I mean, can he really bring us through the deep waters so that we can rejoice in spite of the scars that we got going through those deep waters? That's really an important question. That's really one of the basic issues of life. And the answer, according to the Bible, is yes, absolutely. And one of the proofs that this is true and one of the proofs that we can uh, rejoice when there are tears in our eyes is the prophet Habakkuk. He's a great illustration of this. When we first met Habakkuk, and you might as well turn to the prophet Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk, it's probably best to go from the uh, end of the Old Testament backwards. You'll reach a book by the name of Zephaniah, and then Habakkuk will be right after that. If you go to Nahum, you've gone too far. But when we first met Habakkuk three weeks ago, he was a struggling, confused, perplexed prophet. I mean, this guy had problems. He was a struggling man. He was a desperate man for answers. But by the time his book closes, he is rejoicing. Look at chapter three, verse 17. And verse 18. Wonderful. This is the end of the book. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yields of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. What a marvelous statement. How did he get to that point? I mean, when I first met this guy, he was really struggling. Now, only three chapters later, he's saying, I don't care what happens. I'm going to rejoice in God. This is a changed man. We need to know what changed him. We need, we need to know how God took him from a struggling prophet to a singing, rejoicing prophet. So let's recap. Let's recap what we've seen so far. At first, he was severely troubled over God's silence. And seeming, God, he, he seemed to think that God was inactive and uninterested in Judah's sin. He looked around in chapter 1. He looked around at his people's sin. At that time, Israel was called Judah because there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. So when I say Judah, we basically mean the Jewish nation. He looked around at Judah and he saw sin. He saw that the law of God was disregarded. He looked around and he saw that the law of God was literally paralyzed. It was numb. This was God's chosen holy people and they didn't care about his law. And he being a righteous man and being a prophet who was in touch with the Lord, he said, Lord, in essence, he said, why are you silent? How long do I have to pray before you answer? And why don't you do something? Don't you care? God did answer. And when God answered, Habakkuk had a, had a deeper problem than what uh, the problem he started with. When God revealed his plan to discipline Judah through a wicked Gentile nation known as the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, Habakkuk's problem deepened. God said, look, Habakkuk, look on the international scene. Get your, get your eyes off of Israel for a moment and look what I'm doing in the world. I am doing something. I am answering your prayer. You just don't know it. I'm raising up a, a nation called the Chaldeans, and they're going to be my tool and my instrument to discipline Judah. Habakkuk said in modern Jewish terminology, Ave. 
I've really got a problem now. If he spoke Yiddish, I'm sure that's what he would have said. Ave. You see, not only was he stunned that God would use a wicked people like the Babylonians and allow them to prosper from his perspective. That's what it looked like. But he was stunned also at the inevitable devastation of his people. Literally stunned. If you were to read uh, verse chapter one, verses six through eleven, God gives a description of his people. They're wicked. They're ruthless. They don't care about anybody else. Later on in the chapter, uh, it's revealed that they're a law unto themselves. They hook people like fishermen hook fish. And literally, they did that. And I told you that in the first message. They were a ruthless, wicked people. They didn't know the meaning of the word mercy. It was not in their vocabulary. Now, Habakkuk's got a serious problem. Not only with God's ways but with the bleakness of his nation's future. His people faced the darkest hour in their history. I've compared it before to this, but let me just refresh your memory. It would be like us knowing that sometime next year, Russia is going to invade the United States. It would be similar to this. Knowing this, Russia would attack us. Many of you would be killed by sometime next year. And if you survived, you'd be tortured. You'd be put in a ship with thousands of other people and shipped off to Siberia. Some of you will be tortured. Some of you will will actually have to see your children being murdered right in your presence. Some of you would have to observe some of you men, your wives being raped. How do you face the future with joy when you know that's coming? You see, that's an an illustration that that kind of gives you a feel for what Habakkuk knows is going to happen. This guy's got a problem. This is not academic to him. He's not in a church service studying on a on a crisp, nice autumn morning. The book of Habakkuk. This is reality to him. This is what he's going to face. He doesn't know when, but he knows it's inevitable because God has said it. That gives you a feel for what this man is going through. How do you face the future with joy when you know the horrors of your future? That's really the problem. Well, you do as Habakkuk did, because this man is a man of God. You honestly give your problems and doubts to God in prayer. You say, Lord, it's yours. I'm I'm honest with you. I'm struggling. You don't hide it and try to fake spirituality. It's spiritual to be honest with God. It is dishonest. To hide it within yourself and make like everything is right when everything is not right. And so the prophet is very honest. He doesn't try to impress the Lord. He doesn't try to impress all of his friends. He has got a problem. And so as chapter two opens up, he says, I will stand on my guard post. I'll station myself on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. In other words, I'm going to I'm going to sit in my in the watchtower. That's my attitude. Uh, It's like I'm sitting on the wall surrounding Israel, the nation, the city that he was in, and I'm going to keep a watch for God's answer. I am anticipating, God, that you are going to answer. You're going to give me a solution. And the solution to Habakkuk's uh, confusion came in a threefold answer. That's really the heart of chapter two. Number one, the first aspect is Habakkuk, God will punish the Babylonians. Habakkuk had a real problem. God, how could you let them prosper and you let us die? How can you let them come in and destroy us when we may be wicked, but they are more wicked than us? And I don't think anybody would debate that. 
So God says in chapter two, verse four, behold, as for the proud one, meaning the Babylonians, his soul's not right with him, but the righteous will live by faith. That's the first uh, aspect of the answer. God will punish the wicked just because he uses wicked instruments doesn't mean that they will get away with their wickedness. It's a general truism in Israel. The righteous will live. I don't think it means every single righteous person will live, but it's a general truism. The righteous will live by his faith or his faithfulness, his trust in the Lord. God will bless the righteous. God will punish the wicked. Well, that's good, but that's that Habakkuk needed more. So in verse 14, he's given another little glimpse of the solution or another aspect of it. Verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That is to say, Habakkuk, a better day is coming. It won't always be like this. You look around and you're sensitive to sin and it bothers you. Habakkuk, it won't always be like this. Someday God will triumph. Everybody will know about God. Everybody will be responsive to him. Everybody will be in submission to him. It won't always be this wicked. And then God finally concludes his solution in verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. So I told you last week, this is not a call to silence before a worship service. This is a call to the whole earth to keep quiet. Keep quiet, be hushed in his presence. Why? Because the sovereign God is in control. Habakkuk, when you think that God is sleeping, understand that he's awake and he's in control. Remember the psalmist who said, uh, he that keepeth Israel will not sleep. He does not slumber. He doesn't take naps during the day and say, oh, what happened while I was asleep? No, God is in control. He is not only ruling over the affairs of men, he is overruling the affairs of men. So God is sovereign. He's in control. And Habakkuk, now that you've got an answer to all of your problems, be quiet. Just be quiet and be silent and know that he's God. Now, this is all Habakkuk needed to hear. And this was the answer. So as chapter three opens up, he's a changed man. He's been brought from gloom to glory. From despair to delight. He's no longer going to give God his protest. The man is going to praise God. In fact, chapter three, verse one says this. This is the title of the whole chapter. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to. And I'm not even sure I'm going to pronounce this right. Shigianath. But Hebrew scholars tell us that this term Shigianath is a word associated with music. This is a song. Hebrew scholars suggest that it means that Habakkuk's prayer was a hymn of praise. All of chapter three is a hymn of praise. It's a song expressing great emotion. It is not just a prayer. It is a psalm. And you understand that the psalms were songs. We don't know the music of them, but we do know the words. And that's what is important. Scholars also tell us that the word is related to a verb meaning to reel back and forth, to reel back and forth. So, in other words, Habakkuk was filled with great excitement. And as he reels back and forth and he just bursts into this song, it's a song of emotion. It's a song of of just great praise and adoration. He's excited. He's not in a monastery singing a monotone song. He is thrilled. He is excited. This is a this is a song expressing great emotion. What's more, it's more than a song to us. It's more than a song. It is a model for us to rejoice. Life's during life's darkest moments. You want to know how to rejoice when there are tears in your eyes? We're going to learn about that this morning. 
We're going to look at three steps to praising God when you have tears in your eyes. Three steps to praising God. Step number one is, and I would encourage you to take this down in your notes. Step number one is submit to God's will in the present. Right now, submit to God's will in the present. Verse two of Habakkuk chapter three says this. Lord, I have heard the report about thee and I fear. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. Now, what's he talking about? The first thing that Habakkuk did was pray. He prayed. He, he made a request to God and he admitted that he was afraid in his prayer. He said, Lord, I'm scared, afraid when God revealed his plan to him. When he realized that the sovereign God was in his holy temple and he was in absolute control, the world was under his his feet, his control. Habakkuk honestly admitted that he stood in reverence and he stood in awe of this holy, omnipotent God. In other words, the thought of God uh, being God almighty, he said, brings fear to my heart. It was a high and lofty view of God that brought him to a place where he prayed with fear in his heart. He said this, and this is his request. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make it known. Let's stop there for a moment. You know what he's saying? You know what he's really saying? Lord, if it's your will to bring the Babylonians upon us, it'll be difficult, but I accept it. That's an incredible statement. Lord, I know what it means and I'm not looking forward to it, but I accept it. I submit to your will. Habakkuk is asking God to revive his work in Israel. Now, when we hear revive, it, we, we think of the term revival. And sadly to say that uh, re, the term revival is not used properly in our day and age. If you see on the outside of a church revival, what they should put there is evangelistic meetings. Revival is not evangelism. Evangelism is the winning of the lost to Jesus Christ. It is the proclamation of the gospel. So that people don't get revived, they get life the first time. Revive means to relive. It means to commit yourself again to Christ. Evangelism is the winning of the lost and the witnessing to the lost to hopefully bring them to faith in Christ. Revival really means to commit yourself as a believer, to, to rededicate yourself. But when we hear the term revival today, uh, you've got to disassociate it from what, what the Hebrew here means by revive, because the Hebrew word revive has absolutely nothing to do with our modern day concept of evangelism or revivals. The Hebrew word means literally to live, to preserve, to keep alive, keep it going, keep it moving. That's the thought. Habakkuk's prayer is that God would keep alive the work of judgment that he planned for Israel. Lord, do it. What you started out to do by raising up the Babylonians, just complete it. That's the thought here. Revive it. Keep it going. Preserve it. Now, this is a complete turnabout. This is incredible. At the start of the book, he's got a problem with God's ways of punishing Israel. Now he's saying, Lord, do it. Finish the course. Run the marathon. Finish it. He's asking God to keep his work of judgment alive and to finish it. What you completed, Lord, what you started, rather, I want you to complete. What a complete change. Why the change of attitude? Because for the first time in Habakkuk's struggle over this, 
He's got his eyes off of his nation. He's got his eyes off of the Babylonians. He's got his eyes off of himself. And his only concern is for God's will to be accomplished. That's the only this is the first time that this really grips his heart. When Habakkuk stopped looking at the problems around him and started looking at the sovereign God above him, he had a change of heart. That's why he can say this. In other words, he's had a vision of of the God of glory in his temple. And the only thing that matters now is that this God be glorified by his will being done. That's all that counts. In spite of the fact that he knew that women and children would be killed, the nation would be devastated. He says, Lord, revive your work, continue it. It's difficult, but I accept it. You want to rejoice when tears are in your eyes and you've got to get those tear stained eyes off of your problems and on to looking at the Lord. This is simple. This is basic. But we need to be reminded of this. This isn't anything new. This isn't astounding. This isn't that deep, but it's biblical. And we need to be reminded of it. Like Habakkuk, we get into all kinds of trouble, troubles when we focus on our suffering. And you know what? When we focus on the people who have caused our suffering, it's not just our suffering. But why did he do this? Why did she do this? And we have all kinds of problems with that. A person who rejoices has only one primary concern, not deliverance from suffering. They may like that. They may want that. But that's not their primary concern. Uh, Not for judgment to strike those who cause them suffering. As we so often want, but only that God's work continues. It's an attitude of complete submission to the will of God now. Habakkuk said, Lord, I have a problem. Answer me. God answered. Habakkuk said, I don't know what it all entails in the future. I know it's devastating, but I submit right now. I submit right now. Submission to the will of God, regardless of how difficult it is for you. God, continue your work. That's all that matters. Now, is that your attitude? If you want to rejoice when tears are in your are in your eyes, it needs to be. Do you care about God's glory above your own comforts? Most people are into creature comforts. That's our that's our society. Creature comforts. It's not wrong having creature comforts, but it's wrong to be preoccupied with that. It's wrong when that becomes uh, more important than God's will being done. Habakkuk said, I put creature comforts aside. God, your will be done. That's all that really counts. See, that's the issue here. Do you care so much about God's glory that you could say, Lord, do whatever you have to do. It's all right with me. You give me the grace for it, but do it. In spite of what Habakkuk knew would happen when the Babylonians came, he said, God, keep it up. Accomplish your work in Israel. Some people want to know God's will, but when God reveals their will, they don't want to do it. Not Habakkuk. Habakkuk knew the secret of getting an injection from the doctor while remaining calm and joyful. Focus on the doctor's face, not the needle. The hymn says that when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. We are glad you joined us today for Verse by Verse. Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and he is leading us on a guided tour through the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. With more information about this ministry and how you can help, here's Pastor Steve. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support Verse by Verse with their prayers and financial gifts. 
There was a man who uh, was in touch with us and said he uh, had come to faith in Christ as a result of the verse-by-verse series that we did on Romans and what it means to be justified by faith. We're trying to have lives changed by the teaching of the Word of God. We think there's no substitute for that. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. Drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Today's class was the start of a three-part message, the concluding message in this series of lessons from Habakkuk. To hear the entire message, you can order a CD or cassette. To get yours, call us at 727-239-0306. If you call outside of business hours, just leave your name and a number. We will call you back during regular office hours. We have today's class, as well as hundreds of previous classes available for listening or downloading at our website, versebyverseradio.org. There is also a link that will give you more information about how to support Verse by Verse Ministries. That's versebyverseradio.org. Three things will help us face tough decisions with joy. As we just saw, one is to submit to God's will in the present. Pastor Steve will share more about that essential attitude in our next class. Then he will move on to another mindset we need to cultivate if we want to face every circumstance with godly joy. I hope you can join us next time for Verse by Verse. I'm Jerry Pruden. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.